In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who was glorified, so that we could know His glory. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Happy Valentine's Day. A little bit late, but um, a little bit early. Happy President's Day. Now, now there's um, uh, not probably very many of us that actually celebrate President's Day anymore. In fact, it's one of those old holidays that we're not really quite sure what to do with uh, if we, you know, go around handing people busts of uh, Washington and Lincoln or um, how you really celebrate President's Day. But uh, President's Day actually has a very long history in our country. President's Day has this history of actually being something that was celebrated when George Washington was still living. And the reason that we celebrate President's Day is because uh, President's Day falls on uh, normally right around the time of George Washington's birthday. And um, uh, Lincoln was also born in February, so Lincoln a lot of times kind of comes along for the ride. Um, but really, the, the, it's supposed to celebrate all of our presidents. And so... Um, we're supposed to be thinking in Thanksgiving of all of the presidents that have come uh, before us and, and even our president today and uh, remembering them and celebrating the fact that we do have a president and we don't have a king and, you know, we were able to get away from George and that's all very good. And what was happening during the time that Washington was alive, they, they actually, and this amazes me, they, they would get together and they would have birthday parties for George Washington while he was still alive in his honor. So, my birthday is March 9th. If you want to get together with your friends and have a party and say that it's in my honor, go ahead and do that. Let me know about it. I, I won't even show up. It's okay. Just let me know that you're having a party in my honor. And, and that's what they were doing for George Washington. But then eventually, George Washington stopped having birthdays. In 1799, actually, he stopped having birthdays. And uh, his very last birthday was February of 1799, and he died later that year in December. And so when people got together and, uh, and, and they were mourning this great first president of the nation, they, they decided that they wanted to have something of a memorial service. And the memorial service kind of started off with a parade. And it started off with a parade that finally led up to, believe it or not, the German Lutheran Church in Philadelphia, PA. And there, everybody came into the church, and there was this gentleman named Henry Lee, who happened to be the father of Robert E. Lee. He got up in the pulpit, and he gave this sort of eulogy about Washington. And I'm pretty good at memorizing, but I don't think I could memorize this. This is what he said. How? My fellow citizens, shall I single to your grateful hearts his preeminent worth? Where shall I begin? In opening your view of a character throughout sublime. Shall I speak of his warlike achievements, all springing from obedience to his country's will, all directed to his country's good? Moving in his own orbit... 
He imparted heat and light to his most distant satellites. And combining physical and moral force of all within his sphere, with irresistible weight, he took his course. Commiserating folly, disdaining vice, dismaying treason, and invigorating despondency, until the auspicious hour arrived when, united with the intrepid forces of a potent and magnanimous ally, he brought to submission the since conqueror of India, thus finishing his long career of military glory with luster corresponding to his great name, and in this his last act of war, affixing the seal of fate to our nation's birth. Wow! If he was still alive, I would want Harry Lee to do my eulogy at my funeral. Except for the fact that we're Lutherans and we don't really do eulogies. We'll get into that later. But, I mean, isn't that an amazing testament to what this guy thought of George Washington? Isn't that something that we all really kind of want? Isn't that something that we would say, look, when I die, I want you to write me a speech that sounds like this. Because deep down inside, we want that sense of glory. We, we want that sense of, of being known for something. We want our departure from this earth to be something that people notice. We want people to, to understand who we were. We want people to come up to our family members and to tell them, I loved him. I loved her. They were such a great person. They did this in my life. That is so near and dear to so many of our hearts to want somebody like Harry Lee to be able to say they had some glory to them. We want to be wrapped in that glory when we go to our, our graves. And even before then. It's perhaps why we drape flags over the coffins of those who are in our military services, dra draping their coffin in our flag, which we affectionately call Old Glory. We want this sense of having glory when we go. We want this sense of having made a difference. We want this sense of that who we were actually matters. And we don't just want that when we're dead. We want that now, but we actually kind of think that, well, that's when the grade comes due. That's when we find out if we actually had an effect on somebody is at our funeral, which if you think about it is a lousy time to figure out if you've had an effect on somebody. But we have that sense of, well, if I could just hear what 
that obituary would say, then I would know that I, I matter. Well, Jesus, in this transfiguration story, he is clothed with glory as well. In fact, it appears that what is going on here is that God is showing Jesus' glory from the very beginning point of this story. As Jesus is said to have transformed and his clothes are whiter than any bleach could make his clothes. That they actually radiated. It says they were radiant. That they actually glowed. And that's a, a sense of, of the Greek word that's being used there, doxa, which comes from a very old usage of this sense of the gods being clothed in light. That you would get up in the morning and you would go to your closet and you would go through if you were a god and you would say, well, I'm not sure about that light, maybe this light, I'll wear this light today. And that Jesus is clothed in this light is a hint to his divinity. It's a hint to his glory. It's a hint to what Jesus truly is. He is God. And into the midst of that, the three disciples who thought they were pretty hot stuff, I'm sure, they were the three out of the twelve that were selected. I mean, this is even better than being on The Bachelor. It was down to three, and they were up on the mountain. And then all of a sudden, all of this changeover happens, and immediately Peter says, Oh! Hey, Jesus, I, I got an idea. How about we put together three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah? Sounds good? And Jesus gives him the worst possible response. The most inglorious response that you can give to anyone. He doesn't say nothing. He just keeps on talking to his buddies, Moses and Elijah. It's like he ignores Peter. And, and, and isn't that what we are afraid of? That, that's why we actually, actually chase after that glory. Is that we're afraid that we will be ignored. That we will pass from this life to the next. And that nobody will come up to our family members and say, they did this great thing for me. Or that nobody will say, they, they made a difference in my life in this way. We're afraid that the only thing that will be heard of us when we pass away is the shovel hitting the dirt and being poured on top of our coffin. what we're afraid of. We're afraid of living this life that is inconsequential. That is the opposite of being glorified. Into that world, our Savior walks. 
he, he steps into that world. A world where perhaps he may have had the trajectory of being somebody who maybe perhaps wasn't that well known, just the son of a lowly carpenter. Into that world, he walks. Maybe even as maybe a little bit of a rebel rousing rabbi. And then he goes up this mountain and he reveals truly who he is. But not just truly who he is, but truly what God the Father thinks of him. And as that cloud descends on him and his disciples, you hear this voice, this voice that was present at his baptism, this voice that says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Because in listening to him, we find a way that we give him glory. Because in listening to him, we find a way to worship him. Because in listening to him, we understand how full of worth that is to us. If somebody would just listen to me, if somebody would just hear how my day went, if somebody would just hear how I'm so afraid that I'm going to have to do that sin again, if somebody would just hear from me how I have these dreams and these hopes and these wants, and if somebody would just listen to me, I would know that I mattered. And they wouldn't have to write a eulogy about me. They just have to listen. And how many people in our neighborhoods and in our classrooms and in our friendships just want that level of glory? They could care less about the shining clothes. They just want to be heard. How many of us want that? Well, there's good news. Good news. You are baptized into the person of Jesus Christ. If you are baptized into this room, what happened on that day that you were baptized is that you, in a way, became Jesus. That you became the person of whom God the Father is talking about. That God the Father has said of you, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter, listen to him, listen to her. That God wants people to listen to you. That God actually commands us to listen to one another. It is mind-blowing. That that is a part of why we are here together to listen to one another. But so often we say, well, I would love to listen to God, but I'm just not sure I want to listen to you. 
Luther, in one of his Christmas sermons, puts it very well this way. He talks about how when Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem and they were looking for an inn, and he says, you know, we all think of those dirty innkeepers and those dirty people that didn't offer any support to Jesus. And we say, yes, absolutely, I would let them into my house. I would change his little, holy, dirty diapers. I would listen to him cry all throughout the night. It would be okay. And Luther turns it on them and he says, well, if that is the case, then why don't you care for your neighbor who is Christ among you? Because when God speaks on that mountain and says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. He is encouraging us to listen to the Christ among us. The person who is not listened to in our neighborhood or in a classroom or wherever it is. And that's good news for us who are Christians because we know that everybody in this room now knows. You can't get away from it. I just said it. These people in here. God said. You've got to listen to him. It's God's command. And because of that, we can go to one another and we know that great gospel of being heard. Of being told that we are worthy. Not because of who we are but because of the Jesus Christ who came into the world, who was transfigured before us, who died on a cross so that we could have His glory. So that we could have that glory of being heard. Amen.